Hello, my lovers. Welcome to the Athen Podcast. My name is Sam. I don't think I said that last month. It was last month, wasn't it? I thought I'd record inside today. No point venturing out when the story fell right into my lap. I find a diary, you see. Not one of the great leather-bound ledgers from a lord or a lady, but a small, paperback, green diary. Faded and warm and filled to the brim. The last few entries came from the island, from the hall, during the Second World War. I imagine, like many large houses, the hall was requisitioned. The army moving in like sheep into a pen, bleating out orders to each other, scuffing up the floorboards. The cook showed me a stack of rifles he'd found in the attic, years after they were stored there, and the rolls and rolls of cable from the makeshift comm centres. I suspect that's why Thomas was here. That's the author of the diary, Thomas Avon. His neat handwriting scrawling its way in cursive over faint blue lines underneath. Moisture has damaged a lot of the pages, but the last few are legible. So, sat here in my bedroom at the hall. It's late. I'm alone. Well, apart from the dog. I thought, if the dead will forgive me, I'll share a few with you. It begins on Thursday the 17th of November, 1941, 4.15pm. I went for a walk today. Alone, of course. The others won't stop. Can't stop, I suppose. But I have to. I have to get away from the noise and the chaos. I don't know why I'm here. Caradoc, he's so sure of himself so sure of his, our mission, and the others follow behind, like lambs. Am I the only person who doubts what we do here, the impact we have? I should be in France, not on this bloody island with madmen and gulls. I took the track that leads to the hall, down along the path to the ruins of the village. I've been before, of course. It's the most direct way from the harbour, but not alone. It's a weird place, this island. The stretch of path directly next to the hall is windswept and barren. The wind barrels off the sea and stings your cheeks. I had thought myself prepared, but icy fingers still crept along the collar of my coat, took my wrists in cold hands. I couldn't see the mission site, though, and that was the main thing. I found myself, somehow, for it was not by design, travelling inland and meeting the track that led through the woods at the head of the valley above the harbour. I had not been there before. The trees had all lost their leaves, and the wind howled fiercely through them. It was just before four, but already the light was dim, and I regretted not bringing a torch. But I wasn't ready to go back. Not yet. You know, it was the rummest thing. I could have sworn that I heard someone following, even over the wind. But when I turned, there was no one. 
I was scared. And in the moment that it took for me to recover myself, the feeling had passed and I was alone again. But I turned home nonetheless. You're a fool, Thomas. Damned fool. Friday the 18th of November, 1941. 7.15pm. I went again today, down the path by the sea. Again I left my post and the noise and the circle to walk alone back down towards the village. I told myself I simply needed air, that it did not do to sit and stew alone. But in truth, I felt the need to prove myself, to show that I could do it, walk alone to the village. I left earlier today, two o'clock by my watch, and again I tried to stick to the coast path, to skirt the woods. And yet, there I was, wind at my back, the treetops touching over dirt track on the woodland road, again. It must be some trick of geography, some incline, some jut of rock, for I swear I did not step off the path that skirts the sea. And yet, there I was mud on my boots, and crowded in by leafless thorns. I had made it further than I had yesterday. I grew confident, complacent. But then, as I rounded the corner that hid the moorland and the end of the path from view, I felt again that I was not alone. I felt my heart race. But I turned. I had to. I had to see which of my colleagues had taken to bedeviling me. But again, nobody. Nobody on the track at all, and when I strode back on myself and around the corner, nobody there either. Just the wind, howling down the tunnel of trees. And back I came. Father was right. This is the only posting I could have expected. What good would I be under gunfire? I can't hold my nerve amongst trees. Saturday, the 19th of November, 1941, 11.30am. This morning at breakfast, I confronted them, all of them. I demanded to know who had followed me, and each one looked as bemused as the next. I thought for a moment, Constance even looked worried. And then she placed her hand on my arm and smiled and said that she had taken the place of me in the circle in my absence. And then I saw it, behind her smile, pity. Caradoc walked across then, and slapped me across the back. Nerves, old boy! God, it cut deep. That this charlatan felt able to pretend to care, pretend to help. I said as much. I said too much. <sighs> Damn it, he took it. He took it and smiled and led them all out, on a walk of all things. The nerve to tell me to stay and have a restful day, that I should relax, read a book. Damn them all. And damn myself for what we're trying to do here. Later that day, 5.36. The others are back and are in the drawing room. I can hear the roll of ice in glasses. I will not join them. I write now only to remark that I can hear it, the wind, 
and though it is dark, I feel as though a pair of eyes are watching from beyond the glass. Sunday, the 20th of November, 11.42pm. I rose early, before the others. I thought to myself, if I start at dawn, I cannot be afraid. I crept downstairs, pulled on my boots and let myself out. I felt nothing then, no eyes on my back, no figure at my heels. I determined once again that I would not leave the cliff path that I would keep the sea visible and at my right at all times. And a fine day, no wind. It was with a greater confidence than I now possess that I began my walk. The sun had barely risen when the mist set in, and were it not for my resolve to walk the cliff-edge path, I would have turned back. But I had committed, so on I went. I was sure that I could still maintain my bearing, and I walked as close as I dared to the edge keeping it just in sight in the swirling mist. I could hear gulls and the bark of seals and the waves far below. And then the wind came. Lifting as though it had been sleeping on the surface of the sea and tucking itself under my arms pushed me in and off the path, stumbling in the gorse that lined the way. I swear, I swear, I felt a hand press firmly on my shoulder. It must have been the wind. The fog cleared, and there I stood, of course, under the bowing arches of trees that tunnelled their way to the village, the wind howling once again through the branches. I was further to my goal than I had been before. I could see the ruined shapes of houses up ahead, the last remains of the village that huddled round the bay. And then, again, I felt it. I felt someone moving, and the wind blasted path behind me, and I didn't look. I kept moving, and with every step along the dirt-strewn path, a crunch that came behind as whatever stalked me matched my step, and for the first time, I considered a new hypothesis, that the thing that walked in the wind was not here to stop me, but to make sure I reached my goal. And, as I thought what this could mean, I felt it, the wind, rush up and around me and blacken out my soul. I woke here in bed, Constance at my side. Douglas had found me, she said. Caradoc had sent him into the storm when they realised I was gone. When she left, I heard the key turn. They had locked me in but I can still hear the wind outside. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> sorry, that's the dog. Uh, she wants to go out. Um, I'll be back in a minute. Um, I'm going to leave this going, but I'll say now, uh, Sam, edit this out. Catch up when you listen back. Come on then, let's go.
doing to it? Right, uh, where were we? Uh, oh yeah, left it going. <coughs> okay. <coughs> Monday, the 21st of November. Mm, strange, no, yeah. 4.21pm. Uh, I went with the others to the site today. Caradoc said they needed seven, and without me it would not work. I shouldn't have gone. Good lord, the pageantry they had erected there. The frills and the nonsense of a stage magician. He could not even pronounce the words. In his pomp, when the wind did come, he claimed to have drawn it to us. That he would send it out across the sea and surround England in a tempest. And he, the Prospero at its core. He is nothing more than a weatherman, who points to a sky and says it's raining. And the wind has gone nowhere. It echoes now around the house. Tuesday, the 22nd of November. Like candles. It blew them out like candles. There are no entries for two days here. He's dated the pages. Wednesday the 23rd. Thursday the 24th. But nothing beneath. They're left blank. Friday the 25th of November. I understand now, I think, why the island wanted us gone. We came here to protect the country, to help. But the island doesn't care about the country. Athen is its own, and it can protect itself. I took their bodies to the sea cave and left them there for the seals. The housekeeper suggested it. She said there was nobody left at the chapel to perform the rites anyway. I've not been back to check if they're gone. The staff seem unconcerned about the events of the last week. They leave me to myself now. And I think, in some way, that's for the best. It's late, and I will set down my pen. The moon is full, and the night is bright. But still, I think I will walk to the harbour side, to the village. I hope that the island forgives me. That's it. That's the last entry. I don't know what the group were doing here. Even by MOD standards, the information is thin on the ground. Everything I requested came back redacted to the point that it would have been cheaper just to send out a sheet of black paper. I can guess, I suppose. The housekeeper pointed me to a patch of moor overlooking the giant's teeth rocks. She says her predecessor pointed it out to her as the site of whatever they were doing here. 
There's nothing there now. Just burnt gorse. The house records don't record any deaths. The staff think he made it up. Or that he was addled in some way. But I have written to the records office, and there is no evidence of him returning to the main. No death certificate. And, though it might sound silly, I have been wondering, if he did leave, why is the diary here? If it was the imaginings of some temporary insanity, surely you'd burn it, or destroy it in some way. Or, if he believed his account, why not take it with him as proof? As for Carrot Doc, I've got no idea. His name is carved in the bedpost in my room, and it's dated 1941, just like the diary. Wherever he was, he did stay here, I believe. Under his name is a carved symbol. An eye, light beaming, and two glyphs either side. To what it refers, I can't say. Good story, though. Whatever happened. I'm going to try and post one of these a month. Next month is December, so I suspect it will be a Christmas release. I've got something in mind, and I hope you enjoy it. There's no post currently making its way to the island, but if you want to get in touch to let me know if you like this, or if there's something you'd like to know about Ethan, I'm on Instagram. I'm managing the Trust's Instagram form. It's uh, the Ethan Trust, surprisingly. See you soon. Goodbye. Thank you.